Hey, Kevin Draves here with The Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth Speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. Happy 2019 from the den. It may be a new year, but you are still listening to the best in the world, The Howl. We would like to welcome you if this is your first time or if you're a regular listener to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhymesayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1973. Quarter one of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. It is that time to start looking at the 2019-2020 NBA season, and we begin our roundtable discussion tonight by talking about the... Uh, best division, if you will, in the NBA, and that is the the Timberwolves' home division, including the Trailblazers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Thunder. We got a lot to talk about. Joined by some great guys. Uh, first off, the co-host of Blazers Outsiders on NBCSN in the Northwest, and the Blazers Edge podcast, Dan Morang. Dan, thanks for taking some time, bud. Oh, thanks for having me. I apologize ahead of time if uh, you guys start here in rain. I live out in the country, and for me to actually hop on a phone and do anything, I have to go outside. So, <laughs> shout out the great Northwest and terrible cell phone reception. <laughs> and from the Jabber Jazz, we are joined by Adam Bushman. He'll be talking about the Jazz tonight. Adam, welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm stoked to be here. Excited to talk Jazz and Northwest Division. It's going to be great. Going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, talking the Thunder tonight, we are joined by Dylan Huntsinger. He is a Topic Thunder contributor. Dylan, with that uh, that Western Kentucky area code, I got a, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Oh yeah, man, got to got to hold it down in Richmond, Kentucky, out here. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Uh, not super excited to talk Thunder, but hey, we're gonna get through it anyway. <laughs> And talking the Nuggets, he is the host of the Four Seasons podcast, the great Zach Noble. 
Well, I haven't been called that ever. I will take that, and I'm happy <laughs> to be here speaking on a winner, actually. Being from Minnesota, we, it's rare for us, so I'm excited to talk about Denver today. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's start with you, Zach. And one of the, the big things with the Nuggets is overall, they, they more or less stayed put with a lot of their moves this offseason. They made a couple minor transactions. They re-signed Jamal Murray long-term, but one of my favorite things um, out of this division that happened this year was the Nuggets drafting Bull Bull. I'm a huge Oregon Ducks fan. Uh, loved watching Bull Bull when he was healthy at Oregon. Uh, what do you think about the, the Nuggets offseason and specifically in acquiring Bull Bull and what he can bring to this uh, bring to this team? Yeah, I love that. You love him, man. Uh, so first of all, their offseason was really blah. It wasn't, it wasn't great to say the least, but um, I was a huge Bull Bull guy. Um, I would have drafted him, um, honestly, mid-first round and been okay with it, or 20s even, I think, this draft. I mean, just as random depth overall, and so I go with a lot of upside, and that's where Bull Bull comes into play here. Uh, then you go down to Jamal Murray's extension. Um, I'm as big of a Jamal Murray guy as there is. I mean, he was my guy out of that draft class, but I do not like that extension for him. I don't think he's really earned that money yet, even though uh, I think somebody would have paid him that. So I feel like Denver has to, to keep their guys home. Uh, but I don't necessarily think he's worth that or going to be worth that contract. Uh, but I, I get why they did it. I mean, I'm not like that mad at him for doing so. Um, it's just going to be, could be sketchy down the road here. And um, they do have a lot of depth. So we'll see how that turns out. I like that they kept their guys. They kept their core. They didn't shake anything up really. I think their off season was just fine. They did what they needed to do is keep their guys. Uh, they just hope, better hope their guys keep developing. That's the big thing. They need Gary Harris to get back to 100%. Um, they need a prayer out of Michael Porter Jr. And they need Jamal Murray to get closer to be worth that contract. Or I could see Jamal Murray turning into looking like Wiggins on his deal, to be honest. That's a that's Oof. a bold statement there, Zach. And and you know, <laughs> one of the one of the nice things with the with the Nuggets is is a guy by the name of Nikola Jokic. And nobody really yes, knew he could turn into the player that he's that he's turned into now. But um what do you what do you see out of him? Do you think he's gonna continue to grow? I mean, we've seen him be a, a pretty prolific passer. Um he can, you know, he can pad the stats in the in the scoring and rebounding department, but uh, do you see his defensive game getting better at all? I think that's a big question. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think his defensive game need, really needs to get better. There's a lot of great players in this league that aren't very good at defense or just average defenders. I think he's in a system that is getting better on defense constantly, and he's next to a great um, running mate in Gary Harris, and he'll bring the best defense out in him, uh, period. Uh, but, I mean, it was the first time this Nuggets team cracked the top 10 in defense. Um, so I do see this team keep getting better on the defensive side. I do love the signing of Jeremy Grant. I'm a huge Jeremy Grant guy. Um, so, I mean, he's a very versatile, switchable guy. Um, so stuff like that is going to help maximize Jamal Murray on both sides of the ball, to be honest. Uh, but I just need Jamal Murray to um, get the experience in big games and uh, just keep growing. I, as long as he grows at the rate he is, I think he's going to be just fine. Um, but do I ever see him being a max player? I'm not positive, but I do think he can be a borderline all-star. I, I think he can be very close to that consistent, like CJ McCollum threshold, um, but with better playmaking abilities. And, um, I think he's definitely got a very much higher ceiling than CJ, but, um, I think that's, that's pretty attainable there. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really excited for what he's to become. I think he's going to take the biggest leap or has the chance to take the biggest leap of any nugget. Uh, but with that said, um, I was really happy that the Nuggets really stayed with him when he struggled in the playoffs last year. And uh, Mike Malone, he shouldn't have had to um, have Jamal Murray's back in his press conferences, but I love that he stood by it and continued to just let him go through the struggles. Speaking of – a, a, a point guard situation, you know, I mean, obviously there's not a, there's not a point guard battle or any, any, you know, term of the, the definition in, in Denver, but over in Utah, you know, you, you got a guy in Ricky Rubio, 
And for whatever reason, you just, you, you don't think it's enough. You go out and you get Mike Conley. Uh, Adam, give me your thoughts on, on how the whole Mike Conley stuff went down and, and your thoughts. Are you a, a Rubio homer like my co-host Rob, or are you excited with this uh, Mike Conley deal? I would kind of consider that I'm a little bit of both. Uh, Rubio, as you guys know, over in Minnesota, is is probably one of the best people in the NBA. His work with the community, with his cancer foundation, the Ricky Rubio Cancer Foundation, his general personality. He connected with so many fans and players in Utah. Man, I don't I don't know if we've had a better person in Utah as Ricky Rubio. Um, I mean, he he's just the best. Now the Jazz had a had a unique makeup in their team last year, in that they they were one of the few teams that were starting three non-perimeter shooters in their start, starting lineup: Rudy Gobert manning the center position, Derek Favors the four, and Ricky Rubio being the one. All three of those guys are considered for their careers non-perimeter threats, and so the Jazz really had to get creative with their offense to try to stretch the floor out and get get the ability to break the paint and score when everybody is sucking in on defense. And so what I think the Jazz tried to do is they tried to go out and get pieces that would completely flip the script and instead say, hey, you know what, we're an amazing defensive team. Let's try to keep 90% of our defensive identity but improve 50% on offense. And it remains to be seen if they've done that, but the prospects look very exciting. Mike Conley, above-average perimeter shooter and a better one-on-one playmaker. Bojan Bogdanovic, one of the best shooters in the NBA, particularly from the corner, 56% from the left corner three last year. I mean, the dude is just a bomber from those corners. So those are the type of things where they made more of an offensive switch and with Quinn Snyder's offense of a high pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, one of the best screen setters in the league, Mike Conley, an excellent, excellent uh, player in the pick and roll with Joe Ingles, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Donovan Mitchell playing around the perimeter. It, it's a pretty exciting proposition for what the Jazz can do on offense. And so we'll just, we'll just need to see if the hype actually translates to, uh, to it being effective. But I think they, they're trying to get closer to what the, the normal four out type play that uh, that most teams are doing on offense. You know, I'm, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Quinn Snyder. Now he's been a part of that jazz team for a while. They've made the playoffs, but really haven't advanced to a point where you could call it a full on success. Do you get the sense there in Utah that Quinn Snyder's on the hot seat in any, any way, shape or form? I actually don't, um, and it's interesting that, that some some people around the league might think that way. Um, I think the Jazz are in, incredibly happy with what they have from Quinn Snyder. What's interesting that most people don't know is when Quinn Snyder was hired, he came in with with an offensive repertoire. You know, that was where he felt comfortable. You know, he's considered a, a mastermind on the offensive end with his sets. But when he arrived, he found himself with a team that had Derek, a young Derek Favors and extremely young Rudy Gobert. And he thought to himself, you know what, if we're going to be successful, we need to build defensive habits. And it's worked out that they've built this really incredible defensive team, but they've been devoid of the offensive talent uh, to really maximize what he wants to do. So I wrote an article really uh, just recently on our website talking about how Quinn Snyder may actually be the biggest beneficiary of the off-season moves, that getting the type of shooters that uh, Mike, Mike Conley and Bojan Bogdanovich are and having a three to four shooter lineup 100% of the time with Rudy Gobert diving to the rim, I, I actually think he's, he's poised to make a big leap in, in his coaching this year just by virtue of having the weapons that complement his preferred style play. And so we're going we're gonna to see if it works out, but I think he has all the tools to, to make it happen. And I think now uh, he's going to be able to show out in a, in a big, big way. So I think the Jazz are extremely happy with him. Fans are extremely happy with him. We were spoiled with Frank Layden and Jerry Sloan for so many years that we had a, a bit of a downturn when Ty Corbin, former 
Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolf uh, took over the reins, but we've been extremely happy with Quinn Snyder since. You know, and I think I think now that he's got his offensive pieces, there there might be a little bit more pressure. And uh, you know, Dan, going to turn to you here on this. So the the Portland Trailblazers have been known as a as a pretty you know high volume shooting team. You look at Dame, you look at CJ, uh, but one of the things I think that we didn't really see post Lamarcus Aldridge era up until this this last season was a, a really solid big man game and you can correct me if I'm wrong on that but now you have the you know you have Yusuf Nurkic you have um, a, a big man game that's starting to develop and the trailblazers go out and who do they get in the offseason a guy in Hassan Whiteside who had that that great little stretch but has been kind of questionable since what does Hassan Whiteside bring to this team, and do you think he can return to his uh, his glory days with the Heat? I mean, when you look at Portland right now, a lot of it has been reactionary to Yusuf Nurkic's injury because he's going to be out until probably at least February. So they needed the insurance uh, at the big man position. They they tried to facilitate other moves uh, before they got to Whiteside, but Whiteside's also a guy that's tried to get in the past. He's got a relationship with CJ, uh, probably one of the better non-teammate relationships that, that I've, I've heard about. Uh, the caveat there is that Whiteside comes with baggage. Anytime you're trading away to expiring contracts in Harkless and Leonard and expecting to get this incredible return, I think you kind of have to step back and go, well, yeah, it's kind of a salary dump. So how much is Portland really getting in return with Whiteside? Statistically, I think he's going to fit in well. Um, Nurkic from you know his time when he left Denver to where he got to Portland morphed into a player I think Denver thought he was going to be um, before he broke his leg he was a 17 and 12 guy I mean he was absolutely anchoring the defense and causing all kinds of hell on the offensive end uh, as a screener as a roller as a secondary facilitator from the, from the high post I don't know if Whiteside can necessarily replicate exactly what Nurkic was doing, particularly from a playmaking standpoint. I, I have zero faith that Whiteside can do that. Uh, he's probably one of the biggest black holes in the last 20 years in the NBA. When the ball goes in, it doesn't come back out. Um, but defensively, Portland runs a very simple scheme that says, hey, seven foot, 300-pound dude, stay at the rim. Uh, don't come above the free throw line. Uh, we'll funnel everything to you. We'll run guys off the three-point line. Don't worry about coming up and hedging. Whiteside should be able to replicate that. Uh, the offensive stuff, he's a better roller than Nurkic, so I think they might pick something up there. But when it all comes down to it, I can say all of this, I don't think he's with the team past the deadline unless Nurkic has a setback in his, in his rehab. Uh, between him and Mazemore, it's $43 million in expiring contracts, and if they let those fall off the books, they're only going to get $18 million. So they have to make a move with the expiring deals um, if they want to really improve the roster going into next season, which I think is kind of the target. They're going to try to get what they can out of this season. But I think the biggest thing is they're hoping to build on something, get the young guys like Anthony Simon, Zach Collins, real minutes, real experience, and then try to get something out of us, get Nurkic healthy. But I think the goal is really to get to next year to where the roster is going to be in a better position where there's more balance up and down. Because right now their bigs are Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside, and Pau Gasol. Like that's, a, that's paper thin. Um, Mario Hazonia is going to get real power forward minutes. So it's Which a little scary. iffy. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Blazers have done this with, with, Evan, with Evan Turner, kind of that point forward uh, deal. And they're going to experiment with that. Uh, if things go real sideways, Scal uh, will get some minutes out there. But with all the moves Portland made, it's it's very much, you know, you got the under construction sign. What, what to me is really interesting has been the reactionary moves around the division, right? Like Conley coming to Utah's huge because people may or may not know this Damian Lodge two worst matchups career-wise been Chris Paul and, and Mike Conley I mean you, you look at, at how Denver I mean they they four overtime game game seven you know all that kind of stuff they, they of course they're not going to change much I mean they were a step away from the Western Conference Finals um, Utah's tooling up to to take on a team like Portland uh, Portland's sitting here like well we've got to kind of tread water and hopefully Whiteside can give them that and then realistically kind of get back to the original question if Whiteside gives them like 15 and 12 they've got a chance because come the all-star break Dan's going to nuke the league like he does every year and go for 55 and 5 you know into the into the uh, playoffs and the kind of the chips kind of fall where they may you 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 talk about matchups and and you mentioned Chris Paul and 
I'll, I'll ask you the, real quick this, Dan, and then Dylan, I'm going to ask you the same question. Who do you think is on their respective team longer this year? Uh, Hassan Whiteside or Chris Paul? I don't know. Chris Paul's putting up emojis with peace signs right now on IG. So, <laughs> I, you know, is it the cryptic eyeballs tweets that we get from Blake Griffin and there's a, <laughs> a deal coming in place and, and Chris Paul's gone? <sighs> Who's, who has the capacity to take on Chris Paul? Like, Presti has made some boneheaded moves, but he's also made some incredible moves uh, that have, you know, required a ton of salary going here or there. So I don't question whether or not they can do it. Uh, it's just a likelihood of, of teams, like, is there a team really willing to take on that money that has the capacity to do that? Where they're all, their sole purpose in life is to get draft picks, which clearly the, the Thunder have capital in. Uh, but that just kind of doesn't make any sense if the Thunder are going to reset. So... If I had to guess, I'd say Chris Paul's there longer just because I, I just can't see this team committing additional money to Hassan Whiteside and then having Hassan Whiteside come off the bench because there's no way in hell Yusuf Nurkic coming off the bench when he gets back next year. Like that's just there's, He's a 26-year-old big in his prime who has a big brother-little brother relationship with Damian Lillard. So – um, I, and I don't think the Blazers are going to mess with that. So I, if anybody's going to go first, I think it's going to be Whiteside. Dylan, are you are you in the same mindset? You think Chris Paul stays on the Thunder longer than Hassan Whiteside? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I tend to think that way. Um, you know, most Thunder fans, as soon as the trade happened, um, where we got Chris Paul, everybody was ready to ship him out like the <laughs> second after the Woj tweet. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we was losing. You know our folklore hero and Russell Westbrook um, as part of that trade and other parts is, you know, people just don't like Chris Paul as a player. Um, you know, whatever your reason was, you know, that that was their mindset at that point. But I think as we took a step back from the situation, we kind of looked at it. Our, the only real suitor right now is the Miami Heat. And, you know, the Miami Heat know that. They have the leverage in the situation because they know they're the only team that can really – you know, get Chris Paul at this stage of the game. Um, I'm in the mind that we're not going to move Chris Paul unless we get some kind of value for it. Um, so I don't think, you know, unless Miami Heat's willing to, you know, part with one of those young players, I'm, I'm very partial to Tyler Hero. You know, I'm from Kentucky, so uh, we'll, we'll just go ahead and say that. Um, <laughs> you know, unless the Heat are willing to part with one of those players, I don't see uh, Chris Paul getting moved. Um, you know, the December 15th, when the players that signed contracts this summer, whenever they're eligible to be moved, then you might see some Chris Paul movement. But um, depending on how he's playing, I wouldn't – I honestly would not be shocked to see him go to the deadline. And if there's not a move at the deadline, I could see him lasting to the offseason. And, you know, because Presti does his best work around, you know, the draft time and in the off season when, you know, there's not the pressure of running the team. Um, you know, that's when he did the Paul George trade. Obviously, you know, Paul George kind of forced his hand, but that's when he gets the best return. That's when he traded um, Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and some bonus and Ilyasova. So, um, yeah, that, that that's kind of what I think. I don't think it's uh, – I don't think he's going to get traded anytime soon, you know. We can, we are all just eating our lunch, eating our dinner, and then Chris Paul, or an NBA player in general, tweets an emoji, and everybody loses their collective minds. Like, <laughs> it's the off season, you know, we understand NBA's coming back soon. We're just looking for anything to latch on to. Yeah, he's probably just saying bye to Italy. You know, he's vacationing in Italy, so there you go. All right. I like that. And, and you know, when the two most expensive contracts on your team right now or Chris Paul and Steven Adams, you got a lot of draft capital. It's it's pretty safe to say that the Thunder kind of went into that rebuild mode. They've got, you know, a lot of capital to move with and and can definitely make some moves. Uh, Dylan, do you necessarily agree with this whole kind of fire sale? I mean, it, it really wasn't much of a choice once Paul George kind of wanted his out from uh, from OKC to go to the Clippers to play with Kawhi, but uh, do you think moving on from Westbrook and and you know eventually moving on from uh, from Stephen Adams is the right move here for OKC? Um, well, obviously, you know when Paul George was traded and then Russ was traded. Actually, Jeremy Grant was traded before Russ, but as soon as Jeremy Grant was traded, everybody was kind of in the mindset that yeah, this is going to be a fire sale. 
But as far as Steven Adams goes, the guy's still 25 years old. He's still young. You know, he's overpaid, absolutely, for what he does. But he's still young. He still has a lot of his game that, you know, is there to develop. So I think he could be a great big uh, to have along for this rebuild. I think he'd be a great big to grow and develop with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is our now new de facto star that we're putting all our stock in. Um, as as far as uh, fire sale and the thunder selling in general, um, the big name that I'm I'm looking out for is Daniel Gallinari um, because, you know, last year, you know, he, he was awesome. He was a borderline all-star for the Clippers. Um, you know, it was never a question of talent with Danilo Gallinari. It was always just a question of can he stay healthy. And if he could stay healthy going into the trade deadline, he's an expiring contract. There's no reason for us to keep him. You know, teams that are going to be going into the playoffs, teams that believe they have a chance, they're just one piece away, they might be willing to part with, you know, a young player, a young promising player, maybe a late first rounder, early second rounder, something like that for Daniel Gallinari. So I think that's the name to watch um, in terms of being moved. But no, I don't I don't think it's a fire sale. I think um, Presti isn't the guy that's going to panic. Uh, he's very calculated in every move he makes. Um, and I think he has a plan. And, I, you know, like I said, I just don't think it's going to be a fire sale. <laughs> Do you uh, – uh, let me ask you this. You know, with, with our division being one of the strongest last year as a whole, sent four of the five teams in the division to the playoffs uh what's what's your timetable before you see the the thunder being a playoff contender again that's tough i mean <laughs> there's there's a lot of variables to go in there i mean you know like i said i don't think it's gonna be a fire sale but we could go into the season next year and have a completely different roster with the exception of shea and you know a couple other pieces um and you know like you've alluded to, we have so many draft picks in these next four or five years. And, you know, that's that's the currency in the NBA. If you want to trade for a star player, you know, you have to have money to match those contracts. But what people are looking for is those, you know, those first-round picks. And we have them in spades. So there, it, there's really no telling. Um, I, myself, I think most Thunder fans are in the mind that, you know, this is going to take a little bit. This is going to take – at least a couple of years before we get competitive. But I, I do believe that I don't, I don't speak for just myself. I speak for the Thunder fan base in general. Uh, we're very high on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, we, we think he's going to be a superstar and we're excited to watch him grow and develop. And we're hoping that he can you know, carry us back to the playoffs sooner rather than later. All right. So we are going to quickly go over here. The, uh, over under odds as of uh, uh, a few days ago with Westgate, uh, the most up to date uh, over under. I'm going to give you your your over under total, and I'm going to get your quick prediction on if you think that uh, your team will go uh, over or under that win total. So, starting with you, Dylan, the Thunder are projected at 31 and a half wins this year. Do you do they go over or under? Uh, can I have a caveat in my prediction? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 allow it. All right, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. Um, with uh, the caveat of if Chris Paul's on the team, I think it's over. You know, if Chris Paul and Gallinari are on the team going into the trade deadline, at least I think it's over. Um, you know, even with losing Russ, PG, and Jeremy Grant, still have a solid lineup. Um, you know, with Chris Paul, Shea Gilders Alexander, and of course Gallinari and Adams. You know, we've got some pieces that we hope to develop off of the bench and maybe help out a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs or anything. I'm just saying, you know, 35 wins maybe, you know, that that's over. 35 to 40 wins, I, I think that could be reasonable with that lineup. But if they move Chris Paul earlier, you know, early on or Gallinari early on, you know, they get those young players back, they get picks back, and they're basically giving up the season. Yeah, I, I'd take the under on that. Uh, so for the Timberwolves uh, that were currently projected at 35 and a half wins across the board, uh, my quick prediction on that, I think depending on what this team does at the trade deadline, uh, I think they that's going to set them up a lot. But I think overall we're going to be under. I think we're going to be a, a top 10 lotto pick this year. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, Dylan, I think you're going to be joining us in that top 10 lotto, but that's just me. Uh, moving hey, on, the next, team, <laughs> uh, the next team, the next team, is the 
Portland Trailblazers, Danny Morang, 46 and a half wins. What do you what are your thoughts on that? Uh so I'm a degenerate gambler and I took the line at 43 and a half and I took the over because I figured they're gonna land somewhere between 47 and 50. The thing about the Western Conference right now is who's gonna play the load management game? The Clippers are gonna be without Paul George for probably the first two months of the season. Uh, will the Jazz value seeding more? Will the Nuggets value seeding more? Uh, will the Lakers try to, you know, give LeBron and AD nights off? Uh, you look up and down the West, there's really not a night you can take off anymore. So you've got to kind of pick and choose. Like even Phoenix can give you problems now. Um, Portland's a team that truly values seeding. And I don't think anyone saved Dame is ever going to take a night off. And he even said it last year. He's like, listen, if it comes down to it and I'm beat up, I'm old enough now to recognize it when I need a night off and what it's going to do for me and what that in turn is going to do for the team. So it's hard to project, but I, 46 and a half still in the range of me taking the over. Um, but again, we've talked about it earlier. They're paper thin. If something does happen, it's very easy to see them dropping wins real quick, especially if they lose somebody in the, uh, in the front court. All right. Uh, moving on, the uh, first team projected above the Lakers win total. So Lakers are projected at 50. Uh, the next team up, the Nuggets are projected at 53. Zach, uh, do you think the Nuggets can take that? Are they are they over or under 53? Yeah, so the West got much better, but I think the Nuggets are getting better as well as these young guys grow. Uh, if the number is 53, I would love to take a push on the dot. I think that's right about right about it. I definitely can see him winning as high as 58 games and getting that one seed. That's not going to be my season prediction. I'll probably have him outside of my top three, but um, I could definitely see him winning the conference um, in the regular season. Uh, but I'll definitely take the over on that if I can't take the push. All right. As, and, long, uh... as, long, as, as long as Jokic stays healthy that team's winning over 50 games if he gets injured uh, who knows that team could fall apart real quickly I think I think that's a pretty safe bet and the Nuggets projected right now to finish fourth in the West with that 53 win total a three-way tie right now at Westgate uh, at 54 and a half between the Rockets the Clippers and Adams Utah Jazz Adam 54 and a half does that sound like a good over under what do you think you know, what's interesting about over-unders just in general is for every person you take the over, that means that there's somebody in this list that's the under, right? And when I look at the, the bottom of this list, I feel like the Pelicans, the Kings, the Thunder, things break right. The Mavericks, things break right. Each of those teams could go over by up to three games in their in their over-under. And so just by virtue of of that fact and that the West is so balanced and competitive this year. Uh, somebody earlier mentioned game and load management. I do think the Jazz are going to be players in load management to some extent. Mike Conley over the past seven years has averaged 12 games missed due to injury or load management of some kind. I, I don't see him playing 80 games. Rudy Gobert has had seasons off and on with with injury. I think they try to keep him a little conservative in uh, how many minutes and games are played. I don't think they go crazy, but I do think they do some of that. So with all these things mounting up, I, I think getting 55 wins or over is just it's just too much with this kind of landscape. I think the Jazz falls somewhere in the 50 to 52 win range, and I. And when you compare to seasons past, right, the Jazz winning 50 games this year, um, you, fans might see that as a disappointment. But I think it's all relative to the rest of the league. I, I, I wouldn't consider that a disappointment in, in any shape or form. And I think the Jazz could still be ultra competitive for the top three spots, even at 52 wins. So in summary, definitely going to take the under on the Jazz here. It's a bold prediction. They have the ceiling for it. But the way the landscape is and some of the extenuating circumstances, I don't see it playing out to the tune of 55 or more wins. 
All right. This, uh, this division, I think, again, is going to be one of the strongest in the NBA. Might not send four teams like we did last year, but I can see at least three making it again. Guys, I, again, I want to say thank you very much for joining us uh, on this Northwest Division roundtable. Uh, this is the, the part of it where we get uh, all of you guys to shamelessly plug your stuff. Uh, Dan, going to start with you. All right. Well, uh, my voice cracked there as it comes back. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere on social media at Meringue at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Uh, I'll be doing the pre- and post-game show for NBC Sports Northwest, which is Outsiders all season long. Uh, and you can find my writing and uh, podcast over at uh, BlazersEdge.com. All right. And Adam with the uh, Jabber Jazz. Yeah, that's right. We put everything up on our website at jabberjazz.com. That's jabber with two Bs, jazz with two Zs. You can also find us on Twitter at jabber underscore jazz. We put out a podcast every Saturday for you, and we also do a bunch of weekly writing, some YouTube videos. So just about anywhere you want to search for jabber jazz, you can find us there. We have a little bit of everything spread out throughout the Internet for you. And Dylan with uh, OKC Topic Thunder. Uh, yeah, you can follow me anywhere on Twitter uh, at Thunder Chats, and you can follow our podcast at OKC Topic Thunder. And last but not least, Zach with the Four Seasons. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter mainly at Z A K N O B L E, and then my podcast is spelled Four Space S Z N S. It's by Ball Is Life, so you can find us all over Ball Is Life, the website, their social media account anywhere where you get your podcast, but we've had 35, 40 plus NBA players and over 120 plus guests overall. Awesome. And again, guys, I'm really looking forward to the season. And one of the toughest divisions in basketball should be a great year. Look forward to having you guys on as the rest of the, the season here plays out. So again, thank you very much. You are listening to dash radios, nothing but net channel. And this is the howl gravy. Quarter four of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. As always, we start with what we like to call Triple H. That's the Howl Hardwood history. For that, we'll turn it over to Aaron. Thank you, Kevin. This week's Howl Hardwood history player is William Warren Bradley. Bill Bradley's his name, born July 28th, 1943, He's a former basketball player and American politician where he served as a Democratic U.S. Senator for the state of New Jersey and unsuccessfully ran for the Democratic Party's nomination for president in the year 2000. Let's talk about his basketball career where Bradley was ultimately very successful on the hardwood Overall, in his career, he was a two-time NBA champion. This was in the 1973 and 1970 basketball seasons. Coincidentally, 1973, he also made an NBA All-Star team. Bill Bradley played for Princeton. Let's rewind the clock a little bit and talk about his years at Princeton from 1962 to 1965. Interesting enough, he was drafted in 1965 as a territorial pick to the New York Knicks, but then in 1966, he was a EuroLeague champion. How crazy is that? His number four is retired by the New York Knicks. It hangs in the rafters to this day. Um, He was also an AP college player, had much success in college with Princeton, taking the Princeton team to the NCAA Final Four in 1965, where he was two-time player of the year, or news player of the year, excuse me, in 64 and 65. Bill Bradley had a 10-year run with the New York Knicks at the 2-3 spot, where he finished with a career average 12.4 points per game, rebounds just shy over three, assists 3.4 Per game, He also played in the Olympics, had some time representing Team USA in 1964. This was the Tokyo Games. He won a gold medal. Uh, Bill Bradley, he was born in Crystal City, Missouri. It was a small town in Missouri. So really an amazing uh, story coming from a small town, actually earning a scholarship to Princeton 
playing on the 1964 Olympic basketball team, and then NCAA Player of the Year in 1965. So really fascinating stuff. Um, Well, with the Knicks in 67-68, he served a six-month Air Force Reserve stint and then played 10 consecutive seasons. Uh, Bradley actually went on to become an author, a lot of nonfiction books, and really had a very interesting life. Basketball aside, uh, Bradley's childhood, his hero was Dick Cashmere, who had won the Heisman Trophy at Princeton. So really, if you think about that, how amazing is that? You come from Missouri, small town, you're talented enough to earn a scholarship to Princeton, a prestigious school, and now you're playing on your childhood idols team. Very, very cool stuff. In his sophomore season at Princeton, Bradley actually scored 40 points in an 82-81 loss against Saints Josephs. And this is when he was starting to get honorable mentions for Sporting News All-American. Now, he was a senior captain of the 64-65 Princeton team. And that's really where Bill Bradley's name began to blow up on the national level. Um, scrolling forward here, let's talk about the professional time he spent in the NBA. The Knicks, obviously a long story career there. And Bradley really started to play with the Olympic team. This is when he won the EuroLeague championship in 65, 66. And ultimately that 10 year career was, was enough to get Bradley recognized in the Naismith Memorial basketball hall of fame in the 1983 class alongside his teammate Dave Day Bouchari. In 1984, the Knicks retired his number 24. I already talked about that hanging in the rafters. And he's one of the players fondly remembered around that Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, and Dave Bouchari era. And he's one of only two players, along with Manu Ginobili, to have won a EuroLeague title, an NBA championship, and an Olympic gold medal. So fascinating stuff. If you can come from a small town, get a scholarship to Princeton, win an NBA title, a gold medal, a EuroLeague championship, and become a state senator, that's a hell of a life. So cheers to Bill Bradley. You're this week's Howell Hardwood History Player of the Week. Back to you, Kevin. Thanks, Aaron. As always, we start the fourth quarter of the Howell here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Channel with the Howell Hardwood History, and we follow it up with Can, Kevin, Koozie, everybody's favorite game show. Uh, if you don't know... How to play, you've been living under a rock, but I'll tell you anyways. Rob, to my left here, has a list of players, usually right around 30, uh, normally somewhere between 12 and 12 million, but average is around 30. Five clues per player. If Aaron or I think we know, we use our name as our buzzer. If we're right, we get points. If we're wrong, we are out for the remainder of that player. Uh, There's usually themes, bonus points, all that good stuff, so I will turn it over to to Rob so he can tell you all about tonight's game. So it's pretty standard. Um, we've got somewhere around 30 questions. And then afterwards, we do have some bonus points available uh, based off of NBA trivia. Okay. So we'll get it started. First one, he was a great rebounder. Good defender. Multiple defender of the year awards. Aaron. Aaron. Ben Wallace. Incorrect. I don't even know. what, what What's our – what are we playing for here? What's happening? Uh, I – I don't know. What do you mean what you're playing for? Pride? Well, normally we get some type of, uh, you know, wheelhouse in which we're picking from. No, there's no theme. Oh, just random. The full spectrum of all basketball players ever played is wide open. Sure. Oh, fantastic. Let's go with that. Can't we do Dream Team and Space Space Jam? The Bulls. Multicolored hair. DR. Kevin. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman is correct. Number two, everybody loves him. Bottle, Christmas, Forest. Five. Ray Allen. Incorrect. Former Defensive Player of the Year. Michigan State. Mm. DG. Aaron. Aaron. Draymond Green. That is correct. By the way, bottle green, Christmas green, and forest green. Are yeah, well, colors. that's what that's what threw me off because you did the everybody loves him, and I was like, oh, everyone loves Ray. Everybody loves Draymond. <laughs> oh, up. he's a tricky guy. Oh, we got to do something. Yeah, a small Western Conference guard. 
Think the Super Mario Star music. Aaron. Aaron. Isaiah Thomas. Incorrect. Has he ever even... Oh, I guess he was... Yeah, he was with the Nuggets. That's right. He hates Ray Allen. Championship with the Mavs. JJB. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. JJ Berea. Yep, and I was watching that video today of him and Ray Allen, that dust-up, when he called Ray Allen a not-great word. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Definitely the best moment J.J. had. The Timberwolves the need J.J. Barea back just to add some grit to this team. There's no way he'd come back There's here. nothing funnier than going to – so. Uh, I mean, you wanted to send him to the Iowa Wolves in virtual <laughs> world. Yeah, but that's Kevin, virtual. Just to stick it to him. I mean, come on. When I used to do season tickets with a few of my friends – my one friend, Mike, we'd go to games. He was obsessed with J.J. Barea. Loved him. Oh, no yeah. No one could figure out why. Yeah, He talks about him at every yeah, draft party, yeah. too. It's so ridiculous. Anyways, moving on. Wally Zerbiak's face. Similar to Big Baller Brand. Known for his time with the Spurs. <laughs> a great defender. A dirty player. Aaron. Aaron. That was Aaron, I believe, actually. Raja Bell. Incorrect. Kevin. Kevin. Bruce Bowen. Yeah, Bruce Bowen. My bad. My bad. Good guess, though. He does fit. He fits that a lot of that stuff. Although I wouldn't say that Roger Bell is a good player. He's a player. He was a good defender, though, yeah. Next up, this only has one hint. Just one. So pay attention, Aaron. You're usually the one that doesn't get these. Kawhi Leonard's ankle. Kevin. Kevin. Five, four. Zaza Pachulia. Zaza Pachulia. (laughs) Thank you. There was a spider that was above my head. So a singular round of applause for Kevin. Yeah, right? <laughs> what's no the, one, let's no one a, knows what to make of that. Let's get a scoring happen. update on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel here on the Hell. It is 4-1, to one, Kevin. 4-1, to one, Kevin. Let's keep it going. His announcement raised $2.5 million for the Boys and Girls Club. Kevin. Kevin. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. Yep. That's the funny thing. I still enjoy the fact that people get so upset and angry at him for doing that. He made $2.5 million for Boys and Girls Club. I mean, that's, come that's on. That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Next up, Delta, U.S. Air, Sun Country. Drafted by the Jazz. Duke for college. He's currently playing with the Grizzlies. Aaron. Kevin? Aaron. Rodney Hood. Incorrect. I don't think he's with the Grizzlies. I, I have no idea. with the Blazers. Yeah. Anyways, G.A., Five, four, three, two, one. Uh-uh. Aaron. You can't get back in, but I'll let you have a guess. You can't get a point for Grace it. Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen. <laughs> Takes people on trips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob with the humor. Kevin's dying over there. Next up. That's great. Why? K. Kevin. Kawhi Leonard. Incorrect. C. I R R Aaron Aaron Ricky Rubio Ricky Rubio is correct. That was the weirdest set of clues ever. <laughs> it was his name backwards. Yeah, are you gonna I, get I upset about that, it, Kevin? You got a point because he didn't figure it out. I know it was just. Uh, I got that, Kevin. That, that sounds like that, someone who's down by three points. Yes, That's it does. Where we're at. Next up, intelligent. Aaron was shaking his head when I said that because he is correct and not intelligent. He is one of Derrick Rose's favorite players. OK State for college. The Celtics. Aaron. Aaron. Marcus Smart. That is correct. Thank you. Marcus Smart. It's coming back. It's coming back, Kev. He doesn't like Chris Paul. It's a long list. Kevin Drace. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're all on that list. He was just reunited with a former teammate. Aaron. Aaron. Russell Westbrook. Incorrect. He is a guard. Arizona State. J.H. Kevin. Kevin. James Harden. James Harden is correct. Next one. A Thunder guard. Some people think the Wolves should trade for Kevin. Chris Paul. Bing, bing, bing. Chris Paul. Next clue is going to be he was just reunited with a former teammate. (laughs) No. 
All right, next one. What's what? Uh, you're up by four now. So seven to three. Seven to three. Got a good one. A heat guard. One of his best friends is crazy. Aaron. Aaron. Five, four. Jimmy Butler. That is correct. Next yeah. one was Wolves fans hate him. Sixers fans likely hate him. <laughs> that is correct. I was quite sure I was getting set up for that one. Oh, I wasn't. There's, I don't. I couldn't even name another heat guard right now. I don't think Goron. Oh, I, I guess I could name him. That's true. Next up, just wait till 2020. A forward. Three teams in his career. Texas. Aaron. Aaron. Kevin Durant. That's correct. He's coming back. We got two point game. Yep. Next up, there's a comedy show based on his play. 18th overall pick by the Wizards. Currently, he is with the Lakers. Shaq loves him. Aaron. Aaron. JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee. Yep, that's correct. Nothing beats. I love going on YouTube and watching uh, compilations of Shaq Shaq and and a Fool. And, like, every one of them has JaVale McGee doing something stupid. Sometimes it's not even – like, there's some where the co-hosts are like, come on, man, that wasn't that bad. Like, he didn't need to be on this list. And Shaq's like, oh, yeah, he did. So, I don't know. I love it. Next up, Liaoning Flying Leopards of the Chinese Basketball Association is his current team. Similar to a Knight of the Round Table. Had ankle issues his short time in Minnesota. He blows. L.S. Five, four, three, two, one. Lance Stevenson. <laughs> Lancelot, he blows. I thought that one was... Not that difficult, but no worries. No worries. Next one. He almost killed a man on the court. That's never good. An all-star for the Blazers. A former Triple H. Aaron. Aaron. Five, four, three. Kiki Vandaway. Incorrect. K. W. If Aaron figures it out, I will let him back in on this one. Kevin? Kevin. Kerwin Williams? No. Oh, you're back in anyways. Who's Kerwin Williams? I don't know. <laughs> Is that like the the brother of the paint store guy? Yeah, Kerwin Williams. Nothing? KW? I'll give you guys one more hint. Sesame Street. Oh, man. Kevin. Kevin. Kermit Williams. Incorrect. I got nothing. Really? Yeah. Ugh, Kermit Washington. Washington. Dang yeah. it. <clears throat> Kermit Williams. Next up. He doesn't like J.J. Barea. Was part of a big three. Was on a second team that had a big three and won a championship. Hit a big three against the Spurs in the finals. Aaron. Aaron. Five, four, three. Two. LeBron one. James. Incorrect. R.A. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh-uh. Aaron. I will, I'm going to let him back in on this one because it's too easy. Uh-oh. It's too easy. Are you kidding me? Look it's at too this. easy. I knew it. Ray Allen. Yep. And now a bonus point for Kevin if Kevin can give us his nickname. Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, that is correct. So nothing happened. <laughs> wow. I knew I knew you you'd be okay with it then, Kev. Do you butter his bread for him too? Only on the weekends. Oh jeez. <laughs> Only on days that end in Y. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next up, Stefan Marbury doesn't like him. NC State for college. Played for the Timberwolves. A forward. Kevin. Kevin. Tom Gugliotta. Tom Gugliotta. Let's get a scoring update here on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. Kevin leads 9-7. to 9-7. to seven. It's a close matchup. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Not the Knicks. The Pacers. Aaron. Aaron. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller is correct. It is a one-point ballgame. Next up, an Eastern Conference volume scorer. 
Also played for the Nuggets. A guard with a great crossover and a great step over. Aaron. Aaron. Allen Iverson. And just like that, we got a tie game. This next clue has one hint. Now, before I give it, you you can you can guess if you want. You get one guess, and you get five points if you get it right. Either one of you. Bob Cousy. No. Kevin Garnett. Nope. And here we go. Only one clue. Part of a famous AI highlight. Aaron. Aaron. Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue. And just like that, we have a lead change. Lead change. Lead change. Five technicals on one possession. Related to a former twin. A referee. KM. Kevin. Kenny Maurer. Kenny Maurer. He's on the tip of my tongue. There it is. Aaron has Kenny Maurer on the tip of his his tongue. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't taste very good. You like his protein bars? This is all going horribly. (laughs) Next up, he counts for six points. A Western Conference big man. Texas. He was the Admiral's successor. Kevin. Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is correct. Similar to shooting guard Jamal. Aaron. Aaron. Five. Jamal Mashburn. Incorrect. Similar to a recent Kenny. He is retired. He was a referee. J.C. Five, four, Kevin's hitting three, himself. Two, one. Eh. Oh my God! It's I, I. If he knows that I'm, I'm giving him a point. If he knows what, do you know, no, on. you. I do. I know it. Abba. All right. If, if, wait, 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 wait. No. I'm gonna count down. The first, okay. First one to say his name, starting now. Joey Crawford. That's correct. I gave you a chance, Aaron. I think that was fair. That was very fair. What's the scoring up to here? We've got uh, we've got five left, but there are some bonus uh, trivia. It is twelve to ten. Ooh, Kevin's winning. I'm winning. It's close. Good thing you gave him a bonus point at the end here, Rob. That was real kind of you. I, I didn't actually. I gave you a chance too, and you just didn't know the answer. Next up, thrown out of a game for staring. Kevin. Kevin. Five. Rasheed four. Wallace. That's correct. Or as they as they he was known with the Blazers, Raweed Wallace. Yeah. Don't try to intimidate me. Yeah, don't try to intimidate me. <laughs> you know what he was doing, Steve. <laughs> I love that video. That's a, yeah, it's a great Love clip. that video. All right, next up. Known for the NCAA and NBA now. Rockets, Suns, and other teams. A forward drafted by the Sixers. TNT. Aaron. Oh, Aaron. Five, four, three, oh. two. No, I, I'm not guessing. Right. Sorry. TNT. CB. Kevin. Kevin. Sir Charles Barkley. Sir Charles Barkley is correct. A six foot one guard. Known for his time with the Celtics. Kevin. Kevin. Isaiah Thomas. Incorrect. He's not six foot one. Holy Cross. Goes by Robert. Or sorry, is named Robert, does not go by it. BC. Aaron. Aaron. Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy is correct. We got two left. What's the score? 14 11. Ooh, it's close. Don't worry. You, I guess that is trivia. Part of a big five. Refused to be a part of a documentary about his former team. Aaron. Aaron. Five, four, three. Jalen Rose. Incorrect. Michigan. An infamous timeout. CW. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. Chris Weber. Yep, you had the right team. You knew where we were going with it. Last one, Ronald. St. John's for college. Currently with the South Bay Lakers as a coach. The Malice at the Palace. Kevin. Aaron. That was Kevin. Run our test. Incorrect. That's not a thing. MWP. Five. Aaron. Aaron. Meta World Peace. That is correct. Kevin just took that one on Who's the chin. Who's He wanted. If he would have been losing, he would have lost it on that. All right, here we go. To NBA trivia, these were two points apiece. There are five of them. And what's the score? 
What is the score? 15-12. Okay. 15-12. Okay. Establish that. What team won the very first NBA game? Aaron. Aaron. The Philadelphia 76ers. Incorrect. Any guesses? I mean, literally just name a team. The... Can you not think of a team? The Knicks. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) It was the Knicks. On November 1st, 1946, the first NBA game at the time called the BAA took place in Toronto, Canada. It was between the New York Knicks and the Toronto Huskies at Maple Leaf Gardens. Drew in over 7,000 spectators, most who knew very little about basketball. The Knicks won 68-66. Kind of cool, I thought. I mean, let's be honest. If you're playing the first basketball game ever, there's probably not a lot of people that know about basketball. Yeah, yeah. That's the way I look at it. Next up, who's the NBA player, actually players, that have played for the most number of franchises? It's two players, two points for each one. Kevin. Kevin. Uh, I'm going to say one is Jamal Crawford. And I'm going to say the other is, I'm just going to throw a name out even though it's wrong, Derek Fisher. Incorrect. Both of them? Yep. Any guesses? Oh, boy. Any, any, I'll, I'll hear it. You know what? For the one, for the first one, I'll, I'll name the teams he played for and either one of you can jump in. I don't think you'll know the second one or at least think of it. Uh, but for the first one, so Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, Phoenix, Sacramento, Miami, Portland, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Golden State, New Jersey, and the Lakers. Of that list, I would say I probably know him from his time with Houston more so than anything else. And last hint, his son played for Wisconsin. No oh, guesses? boy. No guesses? Um, well, you really threw that off. I was going to have a guess. All right, last hint. This will be the actual last hint. His initials are JJ. I still don't know anything. The answer is Jim Jackson. Really? Jim Jackson. Nope, I'm lying. You are? (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) Who scored the first three-pointer? Actually, I'll word it differently because you'll never know this person. Um, Chris Ford scored the first three-pointer in NBA history. True or false, he also... Invented it. Well, we did him on Howell Hardwood History. What? No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. Chris Ford? The person that made the first NBA three-pointer. We, he played for the Celtics, I bet. Mm, he yes. did. He did. I don't remember ever doing him, but yeah. sure, I'll take your word for it. And I'm going to say no, he did not invent the three-point shot. Uh, just for being different, to give Aaron a shot here, I'm going to say he did. Nope, he did. You get the points. Wow. We still got we've still got a couple more. What's the score? I love how I remembered all that in nineteen twelve. Oh, so I don't think he can I don't think it's he can over. do it then. Well it's still, okay. we got a couple that are kind of fun. I'm okay with second place. So it's not bad. Out of two. But yeah, so they do say that Chris Ford, uh, he is credited with inventing as they, they put in quotation marks, which is weird, but inventing the shot. Um so next one. Who is the youngest player to score ten thousand points in the NBA? Aaron. Aaron. LeBron James. That's correct. 1914. I it was be something stupid like Andrew Wiggins. No. LeBron was like the first or best one and done that came out. KG was probably up there pretty close. Kevin Durant's probably up there. Who holds the most NBA records? Individual? Correct. Michael Jordan. Incorrect. What? Wow. Wilt? Wilt is correct. Yeah. Yep. It was him yep. or Kareem. Those three were like. And last one. Uh, well, no, we won't do that one. We'll, that, that You're one. standing on Wilt? <laughs> uh, what no. an anticlimactic uh, Here we go. Has any team Probably ever won three national championships in a row? This is actually, this jumps into is any what? NCAA. Has any team ever won three national championships in a row? Yes. Yes. Okay. UCLA Bruins. Yeah. The the funny thing is, you know who they you know what they put in here is the the UConn women's team, is the answer they give. Well, they did it. Still, show. they did. So a team has yeah. done it. So, anyways, kind of cool. So you have uh, a win by Kevin. Kevin. Hey, hey, hey. Kevin Cancuzzi. Two and zero to start the year. 
We're going to just write this down so we remember this. I mean, we won't. Uh, we don't need to remember it. Uh, You'll help us remember, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Don't worry about that. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who joined us on the uh, the Northwest Division cast. Dan Morang, Adam Bushman, uh, Dylan, Zach. Everybody, thank you so much. You can find us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Central Time, Saturdays 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central. If you miss us, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, download, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you on Twitter at the Howell Radio. Uh, Rob is at the Sportsman with two N's. Aaron is at Aaron Groshong, and I am at K Draves 42. Tune in next week, and until then, let me get a howl. <laughs>